This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Right now, the upcoming days will include a closely watched report on retail sales, plus more discussion of the impact of Fed policy on inflation. We're joined by Tom Hudson, Week Ahead columnist at McClatchy Tribune News Services. Tom, let's begin with the Fed and inflation, because this is sort of fascinating to me here. You you have the Fed not, not seeming like it's doing a lot, almost waiting for the inflation to start to, to, to die down a little bit. What happens if it doesn't? Well, what happens if it doesn't is the Fed is going to have to use its uh, open mouth philosophy, its open mouth policy to try to talk down to some of these inflationary concerns before they really grab hold and take anchor in the minds of consumers. That's the phrase here, anchor or consumer expectations of future inflation. The numbers we're seeing here, they're big, right? Fruits and vegetable prices up 13% year over year. Yeah, energy prices certainly up. Shoes, furniture, bedding, clothes, all kinds of things more expensive compared to a year ago, yes. But it's that anchoring of expectations that the Federal Reserve has got to be worried about in terms of the minds of consumers because when that future expectation of inflation goes high, that's when consumer behavior really begins to change and puts the pressure on the Federal Reserve to not only hurry up and wind down its bond buying program, which has already started to taper, but also begin to talk about higher interest rates. What's important to note here, I think, as well, Cisco, with the uh, uh, President uh, Biden meeting with uh, the Chinese leader Xi today, inflation, supply chain, not on the agenda. It should be on the agenda. The United States and the Federal Reserve, domestic policy, policy has to be around monetary policy affecting inflation. But the United States is importing inflation from the Chinese supply side. So when it comes to uh, options that the Fed has, I think some consumers hope that the Fed can kind of wave a magic wand and next month inflation is under control. Anything they do, it, it has an impact months from now. Indeed, it does, months from now. And uh, I, I suppose for the consumer who is uh, balancing you know, the holidays, balancing wages, balancing higher costs in their household budget, uh, what the Federal Reserve can do is to try to talk down expectations. But the, the flip side of that could be the higher cost of borrowing. Credit card interest rates have been moving up, for instance. So it is getting expensive to have revolving credit on the consumer side. And what are we seeing as far as, uh, you know, you know, the retail side, we're, we're going to find out more about that this week, uh, yeah. about what's happening in retail sales and what that says about how consumers feel about the economy, whether they're willing to spend money or not. Absolutely. And I think that's important. I think also trying to hear from the retailers about inventory and pricing uh, as they try to deal with the supply chain constraints uh, that are happening on the waters of the Pacific Ocean, Long Beach, Los Angeles, and the ports there, on the railroads, and in on the highways with trucks, and finding out 
yeah, uh, there may be some items missing from the store shelves, the items that are there. What kind of prices are retailers looking for and what are consumers willing to pay? Thanks so much, Tom Hudson. He's the Week Ahead columnist at McClatchy Tribune News Services. Always good to get your insight. Oil today is down 1%. It is back in the $79 range. Let's talk about that right now because young investors really taking advantage of what's been going on in the oil markets, trying to find it. Uh, investment opportunities, a chance to win. Phil Flynn is here, senior market analyst at Price Group. Uh, Phil, so $79 a barrel right now, really, we're right about $80. It's been a little higher. Higher than that. Uh, are people taking advantage of this to make some money? They sure are. You know, I, I think people are starting to realize that the, the fuel that's been out of favor with environmentalists still can make you a lot of money. And there's been a lot of money that it has been coming back into oil and gas. And it's coming more from the individual investor as opposed to the big funds and the banks uh, because. A lot of those banks and the big investors are concerned that they're going to get hit with environmental regulations or they're going to be looked poorly on because of their their carbon footprint. But that that's where the independents are getting getting it together. So smaller investors, independent oil producers are also benefiting because the big oil companies don't want to get caught up, you know, in the uh, fossil fuel debate. So they're backing off production. So you've got a lot more smaller producers which is kind of good because it was usually the small investors and the small producers that actually made the U.S. energy industry what it is today. So if people want to get in on this and want to make a little money, what are some ways that they're doing it? You know, I think one of the things right now is getting back in the big oil. You know, ExxonMobil, Chevron, they are really hot right now. ETFs on oil, USO, is a good way to be. There's a lot of people who believe that the price of oil is going to go above $100 a barrel next year. And if you do that, you can get into these ETFs, which is like buying a stock. It doesn't move as perfectly as oil, but it will give you some exposure to the long side. People with a higher risk tolerance are also looking at futures and options. Options on futures contract have become exceedingly popular, and it's a way where you can get long the oil market and buy oil without the risk. You get a predetermined risk if you buy a put or a call. So if you're betting on higher prices, you know exactly how much you can lose, and at least you can sleep at night and you don't have to worry about what OPEC may do or what the Biden administration may do as far as releasing oil from the reserve. You're locked in at a certain rate, and that's all you can lose. And is that one of the, the challenges with some options, is you're not as locked in? That's correct. I mean, the, the bottom line is, is that you've predetermined your risk. You have a right, but not the obligation to own the oil futures at a particular price. And if you choose not to, you know, uh, exercise that option, um, that's all you can lose. So no matter what happens, you've got a predetermined risk level. That's why it's very popular with new investors. You know, you do have a situation where you have to, it has a certain time period where it has to be um, hit you know, so time works against you. But at least from a dollar viewpoint, if you buy the option, you know what you're getting into ahead of time, and that's the best way to take advantage of it and still be able to sleep at night. And ETFs, people are obviously much more comfortable with those now. Those are interesting because it's not necessarily an ETF that just tracks with oil stocks. I mean, you can get these two times, three times long ones where you can you can win big and you can lose big. Absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt about it with the ETFs. They're, they're a derivative of the market. And you're right, you can get exposure. 
Uh, unlike a futures contract, though, you know, remember when oil, you know, a year ago went below zero, if you owned a futures contract, man, you would have been in big trouble, right? Because it kept going down. But with an ETF, which it's similar to like buying a stock where your risk is a little bit more predefined. It's not perfect. You can still lose a lot of money. You know, if you bet on a triple long, uh, you know, oil uh, ETF today and, you know, the Biden administration releases oil from the reserve and oil goes down $10, you're going to feel the pain, you know, and that's going to really impact you. But, hey, the nice part about that is if you're betting on lower prices, you can do that, too. So they basically have a ETF to basically, you know, really fulfill whatever you think the market's going to do. Thanks so much, Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at Price Group. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Before you start your holiday shopping, it's important to establish your limits. Let's get some help from Jennifer Waters, a Chicago-based business writer. Jennifer, good to have you with us. So what's the, uh, I guess, the top thing people need to know if they are going to set those limits and do holiday shopping right? Hey, Cisco. Uh, good to hear you again. Uh, you know, the, the holiday spending, obviously, is always kind of, you know, the biggest one for many. And I think many of us probably didn't spend as much last year as we might normally. So this year, you know, if we're out celebrating with our family, we're out to dinner with friends, or we're going to holiday parties, things we might not have done last year. I mean, it's all going to cost a little bit more money. And it's really important to kind of, you know, look at your budget and just keep your spending clear, concise, and, and easy. I mean, keep it easy. And the most important thing, of course, as you and I well know, is that let's have a budget. And you can do a budget one or two ways. You could do it where you're like, I have X amount of dollars, and this is what I have to, you know, spend it on, and so this is how I'm going to break it up. Or you can do it the reverse way where you say, okay, I've got this party to go to, these people to buy for, these, you know, these things to do, and I'm going to set a price or a dollar amount for each one and go from there. But it's one of the things you have to do, and you also have to remember you got to – if you're going to be traveling this year, you have to include travel expenses. If you're going to be hosting, you have to include grocery expenses. Or if you're going to someone's house, you know, I always bring a hostess gift of some sort. And, you know, and then if you're with a family of drinkers like mine, you got to include the booze bill. So there are a lot of things you really have to think about. Let's talk about uh, a lot of the, the sort of uh, experience economy, right? People, they want trips, they want dining, they, they want fun things with friends and family. Uh, is there a way to go ahead and do those, but maybe to do those on a better budget where you actually get more out of them? Well, yeah, of course there is. But some of that is, as as you well know, some of it is just kind of planning properly. And I don't always pretend to be that person. I will sometimes be that last minute person. But you also have to remember this year, and, you know, we've had this conversation before a few weeks ago, Cisco, where you really have to plan ahead now because, you know, we know supplies and inventories are really tight. So you really, if you haven't started Christmas shopping yet or planning, uh, you know, you're going to buy an experience or something like that, do it now while while some of these things are still available. I mean, you know, let me look at a, an experience like a cooking class or a knife, you know, learning how to use knives, that kind of thing. Those things sell out pretty quickly. So that's the kind of thing that you just have to really plan around and, you know, and then understand some of the things, too, that I wanted to mention. You know, this, you know we've talked about the buy now, pay later terms that so many um, retailers are doing now. 
And you really want to make sure you understand how that works because it's really not a whole lot different than putting something on a credit card. Thanks so much. That's Jennifer Waters. Good insight on that holiday shopping and establishing limits. Jennifer Waters, Chicago-based business writer. Daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are mixed. The Dow up 24. NASDAQ down 34 and the S&P down one point. Let's see what's going on. Art Hogan is here. Chief Market Strategist at National Securities based in New York. Art, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Yeah, interesting kind of moves. When we look at last week, um, we exited the week with fractional losses for all the big indices after having a five-week run. So I think that was not largely unusual. Today, we're off to a slow start this week. But I think most of the important catalysts are in, in front of us. We have a lot of the retailers reporting earnings this week. We've got retail sales being announced tomorrow morning. So I think investors are taking a step back and, and, and perhaps just you know taking that wait-and-see kind of attitude. The only real action you see in the S&P 500 is on the, on the gaining side of defensives, right? So you've got the consumer staples and, and utilities doing better. And on the other end of that spectrum, you've got technology off a bit, but not much. 40 basis points, 45 basis points, something like that. So not a major move uh, on either end of that spectrum in the S&P 500. And then the uh, yield on the 10-year continues to sneak a little bit higher. We got down as low as 144 two weeks ago, closed last week at 156, and right now trading at 161. So I think we've got one of those Mondays where we're kicking off a busy week with most of the catalysts in front of us, you know, entering the day kind of sideways and investors sitting on their hands. As we look for those retail sales numbers, how important are they given the fact that we're right on the cusp of a busy holiday shopping season? Yeah, it's interesting. So the one thing about the retail sales is they they come in after we get most of the credit card data. And the credit card data uh, for the last two months has shown some significant sequential improvement um, in consumer spending patterns. We had a very strong back-to-school shopping season. We suspect we're going to have a very good holiday shopping season. So the retail sales, as they hit tomorrow, remember, will be for the month of October, right? So the important, and, and obviously people are getting out and beating the Christmas rush with uh, nervousness about there being enough supply. So I think we're going to have one of those Christmas shopping seasons that actually gets spread out over six weeks, including all of November. Let's talk about inflation for a moment. That's eating into people's portfolios. It's causing investors to try to really try to figure out how to counteract this. Uh, we don't know what the Fed may do if this inflation continues. So with that kind of uncertainty, what are investors supposed to do? Yeah, I'm going to tell you three things to think about inflation. So first of all, one of the best places to be in an inflationary environment is in stocks, right? The other thing is in hard assets like real estate and oftentimes precious metals like gold and silver, et cetera. But the not changing your investment strategy because inflation is probably one of the best ideas. Owning stocks is one of the best hedges against inflation. So I think that's one piece of the puzzle. The other piece is, remember, this inflation is really being driven by aggregate demand, outpacing aggregate supply. We'll likely see that aggregate supply response starting in the first half of next year, um, starting to get better on a month-over-month basis. So we may well have seen the peak numbers in inflation uh, with the last reports last week, CPI and PPI, and start to see modest improvements on a sequential basis as we work our way through the November, December, and January timeframes. And then in, the, in, the, in March of next year, in the first quarter of next year, we're going to anniversary those ultra-low inflation numbers. So the comparisons are going to be an awful lot easier. So all those reports that have 5 and 6 and 7% on them are going to be cut in half just because the comparison on a year-over-year basis gets a lot easier after March. And so it sounds like for investors, if you're in stocks, I mean, maybe you look at your portfolio and decide if you should move some money around, but, but you're not saying we should bail from stocks, at least in the near term. 
No, and I would also say that when you've, in, you know, with, in the same breath, I would say that if inflation is going to stay, let's say, higher than the mean that we've had for the last 10 years, which it likely will, we'll probably exit the end of next year somewhere between two and a half and three and a half percent. Uh, for core uh, CPI, then interest rates will likely work higher. And if interest rates are working higher, you want to avoid long-duration technology stocks, those those stocks that are measured by a multiple of, of uh, sales versus the stocks that are uh, measured by a multiple of earnings. So just know higher interest rates are are difficult for technology, long-duration technology stocks, those ultra-fast revenue growers that have not made earnings yet. And we've already seen some cycling out of those, but I continue to keep an eye on that. Given the run-up in oil, it's at 80 bucks right now today. Uh, are there still opportunities there in oil stocks, or have people missed their windows? No, it's interesting. Now, I, you know, you, you don't have to see uh, oil go from – 60 to 80 and then from 80 to 100 for those energy stocks to do well. I think that there's been a, uh, a whole cohort of investors that has ignored this oil move and ignored the energy stocks. I think your, some of your best opportunities probably lie in the North American EMP players that are really factoring in a much lower uh, WTI uh, crude price uh, in their in their uh, multiples. And I think that comes from the fact that there's a large cohort of investors that have just moved away from energy and, and have refused to invest in it. A lot of the ESG investors just can't have oil in their portfolios. So, yeah, I think the long term for, for energy and energy stocks is likely good. I just don't think we're going from 80 to 100 on any sustained basis. I think we'll live in a world in all of 22 where the, the price is something like 65 to 85. I don't think we're going right to $150 like some people are predicting right now. Thanks so much, Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist at National Securities. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Burger King, parent company, Restaurant Brands International is buying the Firehouse Subs chain for a billion dollars. Let's discuss what's behind the deal. R.J. Hadavi is here, head of analytical research at foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI here in Chicago. R.J., why does Burger King want Firehouse? Well, I think it gives them a, a number of options with the company. Um, for one, it's a it's a fast-growing brand, and uh, because Burger King's parent company, RBI, is represented by franchisees, this would give those franchisees potentially another brand to grow with. Uh, but there's certainly some cost-saving synergies as well, uh, particularly on the G&A and, the, uh, and largely on the food procurement side, too, uh, with obviously inflation becoming a hot-button issue for a lot of restaurant companies. Uh, I also think it's pretty complementary to the existing brands, uh, so Burger King, Tim Hortons, and Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. Uh, you know, the sandwich category, I think that this could be an interesting fit. Uh, on top of that, too, this is one uh, category, the sandwich category, where we've seen some retrenchment by the uh, the leading player, Subway. So uh, could be an interesting opportunity and a nice growth vehicle for uh, RBI. Almost sounds like an area they had to get involved in with, with one of the brands. Yeah, they, they really did. And there were rumors that they had, were looking at Subway uh, earlier in the year. Uh, couldn't come to terms on valuation. And so now, uh, you know, they came up uh, with, I think, you know, a really uh, nice growth vehicle for here, too. I think this could be very interesting, uh, you know, within the portfolio. Um, you know, right now, Firehouse Subs is largely a U.S. brand, uh, over a billion in, in system-wide sales. Uh, but within a, a Burger King's uh, parent company, having a lot of international franchisees, there could be an opportunity for international growth coming out of this. So going forward, I mean, they're they're kind of busy with Tim Hortons and Popeyes, you know, the other brands. Do you see them stopping with Firehouse or, or do you think that they're going to continue to look for maybe another brand to pick up? 
Yeah, I think they will. Uh, I think they'll take some time to, to integrate uh, Firehouse. But uh, this is a group that's shown they're highly acquisitive, and I think there's uh, opportunities to fill out a couple other uh, spots within their portfolio, uh, potentially a pizza chain, uh, potentially something else in the works there as well. They do have some other areas where they can look at in the future for this group. Uh, but right now, I think they'll take their time, figure out what they have with Firehouse, and get it you know in front of their franchisees uh, and continue to grow the brand. Uh, Firehouse has had a really strong management team for, for years, and I think they'll fit in well. Uh, you know, in the uh, you know restaurant brands and uh, umbrella right now. So I think that it's a good deal. Uh, maybe a little bit overpaid for it, but it's a good deal and uh, should be a nice uh, growth uh, opportunity for them. Thanks so much, R.J. Hadavi, head of analytical research at Foot Traffic Analysis Firm Placer AI, based here in Chicago. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday on the Noon Business Hour. Helping us out this afternoon, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter. Chuck, good to have you with us. What's your first pick? Uh, the first pick, and actually the second pick too, Cisco, are small cap stocks. I kind of like that area especially for 2022 in terms of relative performance versus large cap. So I thought it would provide a couple of small cap picks. The first is Matson, symbol is M-A-T-X. The stock trades for about $93 a share and has a market capitalization of about $4 billion. Matson is an ocean transportation and logistics company, uh, so it is uh, benefiting uh, from the, the strong pricing power that it has right now in shipping goods and services via the, the Pacific, much of it coming from China. Uh, the company's Hawaiian-related business is improving as restrictions, COVID restrictions, are reduced in that state. And so you're starting to see a pickup in ocean transportation and logistics in Hawaii. The company has beaten the consensus earnings estimates by more than 20% over the last three quarters. So it, analysts are having trouble kind of catching up to the earnings potential of the company. And yet the stock is trading at just nine times its 2022 earnings estimate, which I think is going to turn out to be pretty low, actually. You get a dividend yield of 1.3%. It's got good price action right now, so it's a really nice play in the transportation sector. That's Matson, M-A-T-X, is a symbol trading for $93 a share. All right, Matson is the first pick. What's your second pick? The second pick, also a small cap, market capitalization of about $4 billion, is on to innovation symbol is onto the stock trades for 87 dollars a share uh, the company makes semiconductor equipment manufacturing uh, including uh, inspection and, and defect detection uh, systems uh, semiconductor equipment manufacturers are really kind of having their day these days as more and more companies try to gear up and, and, and improve the supply of semiconductors the company has uh, really good uh, revenue momentum going. It had revenue in the latest quarter that was up 59% year over year. Uh, it trades at a pretty reasonable valuation. It's at 19 times its 2022 earnings estimate. Uh, the company is looking for about 20% earnings growth in 2022, so that growth is going to continue. And finally, if, if you like stock charts, the stock had a really significant breakout at the end of October and is pulling back now a little bit and providing what I think is a pretty good entry point. So that's onto innovation, symbol O-N-T-O. Stock traded at $87 a share, and our clients own both of these stocks. All right, Chuck, well, while we have you here, what's the Dow theory telling us? It's firmly in the bullish camp. We've had new all-time highs in both the Dow Industrials and the Dow Transports, and you can throw the S&P 500 in there and the Russell 2000. That kind of market breadth is very positive for stocks, so the Dow theory is bullish right now.
Thanks so much, Chuck Carlson. He is CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter. His two picks today, Matson, ticker symbol M-A-T-X, and Onto Innovation, ticker symbol O-N-T-O. A News Radio WBBM podcast, powered by Odyssey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.